Hello, and welcome to the Calm Scholar Podcast. I am your host, Alexander Evangelista. Today, I talk with Valerie. Valerie is a meditation coach and activist. Now, Valerie is the definition of a professional in this field. She's worked with clients for decades. She has a ton of knowledge and different modalities that she can draw on, whether it's intimacy and relationships, sacred sexuality, inner child healing, or simply just developing greater presence. I really enjoyed this conversation and meditation with Valerie. She has one of my favorite voices to listen to. I hope that you enjoy it as well. For more information or to schedule some time with Valerie, you can visit us at calmscholar.com. Awesome, Valerie. So thanks for being here today and welcome to our Calm Scholar podcast. Uh, thank you, Alex. I am so excited to be here and also very chill at the same time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I mean, like we were just talking about before we got on, you are actually the podcast pro in this situation. And you said you've had yours for about three years, right? So this is our third yeah, episode. I mean <laughs> Yeah, I've, well, and I've, I've actually been speaking for quite a long time, too, so it's kind of normal to me to be on a recording for things. Mm -hmm. Do you record your meditations or your sessions ever as well? Um, Sometimes I do. Uh, my meditations, I have several that I have recorded because they're kind of like standard meditations that a lot of my clients will use versus... You know, if it's something that I created specifically for a client, unless they want it recorded, I don't um, mm -hmm. just because it was made specifically for them. Like it has languaging in it that pertains to them. Mm -hmm. um, session wise, again, that's kind of a dependent on what a client wants. Some of my clients like they're those people that one, they like to have if there is a meditation done in it. They want to have the ability to go back and hear that again. Or if there was a lot that we discussed and went over that maybe they want to kind of reflect on or kind of look at in a new way afterwards, they'll love to have it recorded. And some are like, yeah, please don't do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it depends. Yeah, it seems like it would be really interesting to be able to go back and listen, you know, post experience, especially if you've had like a, a breakthrough when you're working with the client for that client to go back and listen to it if they're interested in it. Uh, because yeah. sometimes, yeah, like it's a lot, like what, what you're working through with people and you know, what any type of meditation coach or guide is working with someone, it can be a lot to process just in that moment alone. Yeah. Well, and especially if like you're doing, you know, if you're just doing like some type of, you know, grounding or like a, a, what I would consider a more basic meditation, like you may be able to just go back and journal after the experience and kind of get down what was relevant to it. And that journal entry is something that you can come back to. But there are times where it's like, if it's for a specific goal, you know, maybe there's a growth angle or something like that going on. Then having the ability to go back and listen and to really sink back into that, it can help re-clarify goals it can help really go deeper into whatever it is that you're trying to learn or experience for yourself and it's also a really great place too like if you are again if you're using it for 
creating certain goals, whether that be something for healing or expansion or whatever, it can give you the ability to go back and learn more things from it. So like I've done meditations with people where I have one that I'll do. That's um, I call the cave excavation because it's essentially a visualization where we go into a cave and we kind of observe where a wound was created in our life. Mm. And the goal is to get to the root of it, to get to where the first or worst incident was created. Hmm. So with something like that, you know, once you get to one thing, as as your mind opens to it and, and does some of the work around it, it can be a little bit easier to then go back and get to a different layer of it, whether that be deeper or or something more further forward in your life where you're like, oh, okay, I see how this this thing back here affected this. And now you can do some of the more healing and integration work from that. I love the idea of a cave excavation. (laughs) That's such a cool idea. Yeah, it is probably one of the most profound um, ones that I do with clients when I'm especially when we're doing like a lot of generational trauma healing, like Mm. those ones are eye opening big time. Out of curiosity, for this type of meditation, do you find when working with people that oftentimes like the first thing they come across that they think is the root of it actually isn't the root of it? And like it keeps going back further than that? Um, honestly, it depends because it's really more dependent on how much work have you already done with yourself. Like if you're mm, sure. a person that you've been coming into things for a while, you've been doing some healing, right? Like you're aware of what your stuff is. You might be able to get to it. It might just be that I am there to help you on the next leg of your journey. But for some people, if it's, you know, if we're really just starting to tackle things for the first time, this might be where you hit an edge of it. And then, you know, your nervous system has to catch up to that and feel safe to go Mm -hmm. deeper. And then what will happen is once once you feel safer, once it's, you know, you've built up some um, strength, that muscle to you know, dive in a little bit more to what's underneath that, then something else will come up. And then, you know, it keeps going. And I think that's where a lot of people sometimes too, they, they get a little bit frustrated with the process, because they want it to be very quick fix. Mm. And sometimes it's just not a quick fix. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff to unpack, and we just have to enjoy the journey. As hard as it can be, we got to enjoy the journey. Yeah, we live in a time where the quick fix has become like the only way that we expect things to be done. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's wild, like wild to think about 30, 40 years ago, if you needed to shovel the driveway and the hardware store was out of shovels, like you were kind of out of luck. Right. But we've been chasing convenience as like almost like a god in society, you know, we don't really ever right. pause to think about like, what is the cost of convenience? Like what is this costing us as a society to have something show up at our doorstep in, you know, a day, two days or two hours, you know? Oh, it, so much. And, you know, it really is a double-edged sword because I mean, and you know, I'm, I'm not the first person in my family to be 
doing healing or meditation work with people like my dad right. and my grandmother have both done that and even my dad would notice like he'd, he'd run a meditation class and somebody would be frustrated that things were just suddenly better for them after that mm-hmm. and it, it is a testament to that part of our society where we expect everything quickly and we take for granted that like you know if there are things that you're trying to heal from and move through you've had X amount of years to build up that wound. So it's not going to just happen overnight that you get through it. And that's the downside where versus the upside, like the access to information. Now Um, I have a child that is about to turn 21. So in that Gen Z generation and the access to information and learning is so much more vibrant and in depth than it used to be, which is Mm -hmm. great because there are things that they understand that I didn't even have access to that information until college or not even until, you know, (laughs) we started having more resources online. So there, there is a double-edged sword to that easy access of things. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Big time. And I was actually watching an episode of Friends recently where there's a door-to-door salesman selling encyclopedias. And uh, he like knocks on Joey's apartment and he only has, you know, money for one of them. So he just gets like the V encyclopedia. And uh, in a way, that's kind of an apt analogy for what's happening now. You know, there is so much access to information. Like you can go on YouTube and search for you know, a chakra meditation or something like that. Oh, yeah. But I think, like you say, the double-edged sword of that is people are kind of missing out on the full picture. It's like there's a lot more access to these smaller bite-sized, like little um, vignettes, like little photographs of something, but maybe less of an understanding of like, what is the whole picture here? Right. And and in, you know, in, in an era where we are putting a lot of emphasis on quick results, Mm -hmm. you know, rapid changes and things like that, it has the ability to burn a lot of us out. I mean, Mm, you know, the expectations within our everyday life, within our work, our homes and all of that, is that we should be able to produce and move forward at a very quick rate. And it's burning people out. And especially in the last couple of years, but but yeah, as an, overall, it is burning people out because we just aren't built to do that. Yeah. Well, you've been doing this type of work for a while. And like you say, you even have family members like your father and grandmother who have been in this space. So you grew up with it. So mm-hmm. you have kind of a unique vantage point to be able to see how not just how like meditation and healing work has changed over time, but how the people who are coming like coming in for this work are changing over time. And I would imagine that there are more people who are, like you say, burned out or just continually you know, at their wits end today more so than ever. Yeah. Um, I definitely find, especially in the last two years, because many of us, you know, with a lot of the shutdowns and things like that, it did force a lot of us to slow down a little bit. And what I've found is with that, that little bit of slowdown has had a lot of people questioning their lives. Like, why are they doing what they are doing? Why why do they have the careers that they have? Why do they live where they live? Why do they run their homes the way they do? What's going on within their relationship? You know, 
th- themselves because again like we we've spent so much time in this go 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 state and instant gratification that we're kind of just putting band-aids on everything and then you have a situation where people are forced to slow down and they're realizing like i am i'm not okay mm, uh, i'm burnt yeah. out i'm mm. unhappy i don't this is this is not what i signed up for or wanted mm-hmm. and how did i get here yeah it's it's difficult to imagine somebody just continuing to like force forward and go forward but we see people do it all the time every day you know it's sort of turning yeah. away from looking inside and understanding that yeah you know i'm i'm not okay yeah and and being okay with that like mm, yeah looking at yourself and being like okay this is where i'm at right now and it doesn't all need to be fixed in this exact moment like i want to do something but it doesn't need to be just you know snap my fingers and i'm good you can take time to sit with it because again that's part of you know if you're if you're trying to break this feeling and need to be constantly moving and constantly doing things sometimes even within your healing cycles you need to just slow down a little bit and and have some pauses to like sit with the discomfort sit mm-hmm. with the sadness or the pain or whatever and it doesn't mean like you spend forever there but like acknowledge it <laughs> take mm-hmm. time to mm-hmm. be there and then you can start figuring out okay where do i want to go from here valerie do you find that sometimes it gets worse before it gets better like for for the clients that you work with like just turning to face what's inside sometimes you have um, to go through that so here's what i'll say to that it seems like it does and it, again it's it's not so much that it's gets worse before it gets better it's more that you've developed awareness for what's already there like you know a lot of times clients will experience like these unexpected pains or issues within their body and and not all physical pain is related to emotional stuff but there is quite a bit that is or Maybe the emotional aspects are hindering physical healing from injuries, but there's a lot of injury and illness that we see that is unexplained in people sometimes. And, you know, they've taken a million tests. They don't understand what's going on. And then you start doing some work on yourself and realizing like, oh, this has something to do with something from my childhood or you know, earlier in my life. And I had no freaking idea that mm-hmm. it was there. And so you'll see things like that come up. And what's really going on is, again, it's not that it's getting worse before it gets better. It's more of a, you're getting more aware before you can really heal it and let mm-hmm. it go. And that's that's what people are experiencing, is that moment of realization. And then it's okay. Now I'm dismantling all of that. And now I'm able to deal with it and move through it. But once you Mm -hmm. bring that awareness in, things do tend to move a lot faster, as long as you, you know, really make space to experience everything, move through it, acknowledge it and Mm -hmm. integrate it. 
Yeah, you you talk about inner child's healing and that being a component of uh, a big component of what you do with people. And I'm curious when you really started to tune into that or understand that as the vehicle for how to address not just for your clients, but also for yourself in your own life. When did you start to understand like, this is important, this is the work that I should be doing? Um, when I realized how much, uh, damage I had been through from my own mom, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, like I'm laughing about it because I can laugh about it now, but honestly, yeah, I, you know, I, I went to college for, um, psychology and for women's gender and sexuality studies. And that plays a lot of my work. A lot of my work is very activist based too. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but when I was really kind of figuring out like, okay, I know I don't want a traditional psychology business. I, I decided not to finish with that because I just didn't want to do it, but I knew I wanted to do healing work. And I was like, you know, yeah, I, I deal with, you know, relationships and intimacy quite a bit, but like, what is the root cause of all of this? And I started mm-hmm. looking at myself too. And I'm like, okay, well, the root causes of my own relationship failures and things has been from growing up with a very narcissistic, harmful mother. Like as great as my dad was, my mom was just as bad, right? Mm. Like the polar opposite there. And it created a lot of pain in my life and it created a lot of issues of feeling lack within myself, feeling, um, afraid of you know being hurt Mm -hmm. afraid of being um being with somebody being vulnerable being honest and also continuously choosing partners or relationships that were really harmful to me so I just kind of looked at things and you know again I have a background in psychology well a lot of that focus was research-based so I was like all right so if we go to the research end of my mind I can help people have better relationships and intimacy and sex and all that stuff. That's great. But what's causing the issue? Mm. Well, the issue underneath is usually stuff that we got from our childhood. And I know that from my own personal experience. So let's work on the root issue instead of, you know, band-aid solutions. Like Mm. here's some quick tip intimacy practices to connect with your partner. Like not saying Mm -hmm. those things are bad, but it was just more of, you know, I knew when I really started facing my own experiences with my mom and the own traumas that I went through with her, that that was what made a bigger impact on helping me in every aspect of my life, like mm-hmm. not just the relationships, but every aspect of my life. So it's like, all right, this this is where I need to focus. This is what where my work needs to be. Yeah. I imagine before you actually turned to face it, it was one of those things that was, like you say, driving you and behind your decisions without you really realizing it. Oh, big time. Um, I, and, and more than just my relationships, like I didn't even realize how much of my relationships to things like money and, um, work were affected by this, like ways that I was interacting in work relationships where I would, you know, exhibit a lot of people pleasing behavior and, uh, fear making decisions, fear conflict, or like even 
even looking at money as something like, you know, I had this, this pattern where I would earn a lot more than normal and that would feel really good. And then as I was spending it, there would be this struggle of more coming in. Like it would just go through these ebbs and flows constantly. Mm-hmm. It was frustrating. And I didn't realize for a long time, well, when it was being spent, it it felt like an abandonment. And that abandonment reminded me of experiences when I was younger, when I was earning more than normal. I felt very much like my mother because my mother always put a lot of pressure on me to provide for her one day. Hmm. That was my job. And, you know, and with that, there was also a lot of abuse and criticism and things like that. So it created some really bad narratives within my financial relationship. So it it wasn't just the, the, you know, romantic relationships or anything like that. It it was everything that was affected. And when I really understood that, it, it was just mind blowing. Hmm. Wow. I know that you talked about somatic experiencing for he- healing childhood wounds. And so for anybody who's not familiar, could you quickly explain like what that means? Yeah. So somatic experiencing or somatic therapy is a methodology of work where instead of just doing something like talk therapy, which is what we typically think of as therapy, Mm -hmm. you know, where you sit down, you talk about things that come up and maybe you get some feedback from your therapist um, on it. You are typically incorporating some type of body work. So there can be things like EMDR. A lot of people are starting to hear more about that, where you are creating a um, electromagnetic pulse with a small machine that you feel while you're thinking of a specific trauma. Um, there are other methodologies of doing that, like EFT tapping. Um, there's also body scanning. Like, you know, when you think of, um, a a belief or a pattern that has been perpetuated in your life. And a lot of times it can be hard to get to the root of that. So when you maybe scan your body and notice like, okay, when I think about this, I feel a lot of tension in my chest. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's tension in my chest. Now let me breathe into that. You can actually find where the root of that is being held within your physical body. Hmm. And then in turn with that, when you're doing somatics, you can use it not only to understand where something is held in your body, but then you can do physical work to help release that from your body. So that can be, you know, bringing in your senses in by doing things like self-massage, dancing, walking, moving your body, like doing hip movements. Um, A lot of people that have experienced sexual trauma, they store a lot of pain in their um, pelvic floor and hips. You'll see that on even within um, x-rays where you will see a lot of dysfunction within that area. So when you know that and you start incorporating somatic movements that are safe, like, right, we don't want to re-trigger and re-traumatize people, right. but like really yeah. helping them to move their body to essentially flush that out. Like if you can imagine 
drinking water and it, it, it running through your body, catching all the stuff and pushing it through. That's what you're doing with somatics. You're incorporating the body and part of that healing versus just doing the talk aspect of it. And for some people, talk therapy is wonderful. But, you know, again, I didn't want a very linear approach to therapy. I didn't want to do that because what I was realizing for myself is in my own healing with my mother, doing somatic work was really pivotal because Mm -hmm. it helped me identify things a lot faster and it helped me find ways to physically move them through my body a lot faster. Do you find that people are somewhat new to this idea of like working with their body primarily and directly to heal? And what considerations are you thinking about when you're working with someone to bring them into a safe place to interact in a somatic way? Yeah. So I'll answer that in two parts because that's definitely two parts. So first part of that is more people are definitely discovering it. Somatic therapy has actually been around for quite some time. Um, Dr. Peter Levine, who's considered the founder of that and definitely somebody that has paved the way for somatic therapy, I've done training under him, um, has been doing this work for quite some time. And we've actually been aware of this. Like there's a very popular book that many people even read in school now in psychology called The Body Keeps the Score. It is a pivotal book of understanding, you know, the research that went into helping people. And it was actually founded, um, the the doctor that wrote this book, um, he was doing studies on uh, veterans that had PTSD. Like, this is how we actually... Um, created the diagnoses of PTSD and then seeing that the symptoms were similar to people that had experienced sexual trauma. Um, So we see how that lives and what was going on is like, you know, we had this wave in like the eighties of medication, right. Where we were prescribing our first antidepressants and things like that were, which were very harsh back then. Hmm. We've done a lot of research now to regulate those for, but what we were finding is it wasn't helping to take care of everything. So there was then a look of, okay, so you have these sexual trauma victims and you have these veterans that have two very different experiences but we're seeing the same types of issues come up, right? Where there's body pains and, and stuff going on with them physically that is a reaction to the trauma that they have experienced. So it has been around for a while, but I think, again, as mental health has become something that we are talking about more, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we are still far behind in offering more mental health services But as we're talking about it more, people are starting to look into different methodologies of it because, you know, it used to be you you don't go to therapy that that is shameful. That is not something you do to well, we go to therapy, but we, you know, we bounce around between therapists and, and, you know, that's okay. You have to find someone that works for you, but you have this. Um, issue with maybe you've been there for a long time and you just don't feel things are getting better in that way. So you're looking for new methodologies to help. Like maybe, maybe something isn't working for you. And that's where understanding too, that 
what works for one person is not going to always work for another. So having all of these different methods and doing things like exploring somatic work and even, you know, getting a little bit nuanced with that of understanding that there are different methods within somatic experiencing that can work well for some people and and others will work well for other people. So I think we're, we're getting aware of that a lot more. So that's the first part. And then with the second part, state that again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because... <laughs> I, I was curious, <laughs> what considerations are going through your mind when you're working with someone for the first time and you're about to take them into their body? What kind of things are you considering or how are you creating that safe space with them? So the first thing that's really important is understanding where somebody's at within their journey. If I have someone, for instance, that maybe they just experienced a sexual trauma, I do not want to take them back into that experience right now. That is an open wound. Um, My own coach has a wonderful saying where she's like, speak about your scars, not your wounds, right? Scars are healed. Love that. Um, And I use that same methodology within my, my practice of, Am I working with an open wound? Am I working with a wound that's healing? Or am I working with a scar that maybe is causing a little bit of irritation still, Mm, right? There's there's levels of that. So if there's an open wound there, I don't want to take them back into their trauma to help investigate it so that we can integrate it. Because all that's going to do is re-traumatize somebody. What I do want to do is help them come into their body in a safe way. So that's where I'm going to do something called resourcing with them, which is finding ways to activate their parasympathetic nervous system. We have a sympathetic and a parasympathetic. Mm, Right. So when I am activating the parasympathetic nervous system, what I'm helping them do is come into rest and relaxation. When you're in your sympathetic, you are in states of trauma. So you're in fight, flight, freeze or fawn, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what's going to happen if I take them right back into a current trauma. So that's my first evaluation. And from there, again, as I'm, as I'm looking at, do I need to focus on resourcing? And I always teach resourcing skills because that to me is something that we all need, because even if, you know, you're not currently traumatized by something or going through something. And to be clear, trauma is not just big things, right? Maybe you are, you know, you just had to um, unexpectedly repair your car and it cost a lot of money that you weren't expecting to. So now there's a little bit of concern about finances, right? That can be traumatic. Financial things, you know, coming up, that's traumatic because there's a concern over resources, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you had um, a disagreement with a coworker and you feel unheard and invalidated or whatever. Mm-hmm. That can feel traumatic to us. So these can be big and small things, but having resourcing skills is always useful to help you get through that, get out of your head, get into your body and find some rest. Mm-hmm. But again, if I have somebody that is currently going through something, I want to use that over bringing them into their body. And then from there, I want to start evaluating how much of this do we actually need to go into? 
right? Like th- there kind of gets to be a point too where um, sometimes we get addicted to healing. Like we, um, yeah, I've seen that. We for are sure. trying to, <laughs> we're like, oh, I've moved through this car. Let me move through the next one. Let me move through this because we feel like we need to do that to get through things. And that's a symptom of perfectionism that we are quite frankly, unaware of a lot of times. Um, perfectionism, again, that's a childhood wound. And sometimes we even try to perfect our healing by we must uncover and dig out all of the things. So maybe if I'm, I'm working with you and realizing like, okay, so you're in a fairly good place. You know that your past has affected you. You're aware of it. You've done a lot of work to integrate it. And you're questioning, should I dive in more because I'm trying to figure out what to do next? Or should I take the approach of like, okay, now let's create the new neural pathway. Let's, let's focus on where we go from here. We don't need to go backwards. We actually need to do the forward work now. Mm-hmm. Mm, if yeah. that's the case, then the tools that I'm going to give are going to be things that get you into a mind, body, soul approach of moving forward. So maybe that's creating mantras, a hypnosis, a meditation, creating a physical practice that keeps you reminded of where you're going so that we can create that as the new pattern. But that may not mean I need to dive into all of the old stuff to get to that. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Valerie. You know, one of the things that I really love about you is not just your, like, deep, deep skill set of different tools you can draw on, but what you were just describing, which is that really critical assessment of, do I need to go there right now with this person? Like, is this what they need? Because I think sometimes practitioners or therapists or people in this healing space, they might have one or two things they do well that they just assume is the way to go for everybody. But really taking time to understand yeah, do we need to go into that, that past? Or yeah, is it about moving forward? I really love that. Yeah, thank you. And I mean, you know, it's it's not to diss other practitioners, but I feel like if your approach is I've, I've got one shtick, right? And, and that's what I go with. Or I feel the need that I must always dive into the back end first, you're really doing yourself and your client a disservice with that because again, the ultimate goal is to help someone. And sometimes the best thing that you can do for them is to really listen and pay attention and see what they need, not what you think they need, but like really listen to see what they need. Yeah. It's, I actually have uh, your areas of specialty pulled up and just looking through them is is so cool because there's everything from what we've talked about with somatic experiencing and of course, you know, breath work and more traditional meditation things. But then, you know, some things on here like womb work, ancestral and past life healing, sacred sexuality and neo-tantra. It's really cool because depending on where that person is at, like you are able to say, hey, let's set aside everything else. And what you were just describing, I think, is something you see often in the traditional therapy space. Like when you were talking about being in college and realizing you didn't want to go the traditional psychology sort of therapist route. That is, I think, a lot of times where we do see the more traditional, okay, you know, a client comes yeah. in, if they want insurance, 
I'm going to need to uh, assess them and diagnose them right away on the spot. And, you know, I am a therapist that does, you know, X. And so that's what I'm going to do with this person. And so being able to offer a much more broad set of skills is, I feel, a more compassionate way to actually actually assess somebody and work with them where they're at. Yeah. And, you know, and it doesn't mean, I think a lot of times when people see the use of different skills, they're like, oh, you don't, you don't have a niche. And, and I mean, at this point, I don't know about you, but if I hear the term of niching down anymore, I will scream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me just go ahead and cross that off my list of things to talk about. (laughs) Just kidding. I think it's more because again, it's, you know, like I, I work a ton with relationship and intimacy issues. And yes, while that may be like, even in my own private practice, like that may be something that I advertise a lot, but I know going in that there's probably more there. There may be more there. So if I'm working with a person or a couple and you know, maybe they are in that place where they're really self-aware, but they're just, they're kind of like, okay, well, we know where we've been, but we just don't really have a lot of skills to go someplace else. Okay, great. Let's, let's work on some new skills. But if I'm finding that like, oh, I see some patterns here coming up. Let's dive in. Cause there's probably more here than just you two aren't connecting on a certain level intimately anymore or mm-hmm. within your relationship or your communication, right? Maybe there's some deeper stuff coming up. Fine, right? If it's a person that is coming to me because they do have patterns of, you know, bad relationships and things like that, okay. Maybe maybe they are, again, they're in that place where they are they've worked through a lot of that and maybe the other areas of their life are going well. Great. Let, let's, let's create a plan for the future, but maybe we start diving in and we realize, well, shit, there's some overall issues with money and career and, and worthiness in a lot of different aspects that are affecting you feeling worthy of having the relationship to. So we need to, to work through a lot of those different ends. And it doesn't mean that I, that you can't have a skill set that is like your baby, right? The thing that you're good at, but when you can open yourself to really focusing on, okay, my core purpose is to help people. Mm-hmm. So while I may talk about a specific end of that, I'm here to help and I'm going to develop the skill sets to do that. Right. So that, I mean, for me, that umbrella is somatic experiencing, but again, there's a lot of aspects to that that I can do and, and denying people their full human experience is not my goal. Sometimes the full human experience is there are some ancestral and past life things. If that's your belief system that we need to deal with, maybe we need to get more holistic there. Sometimes we do need to really just create some action steps. But Mm -hmm. I think that for a lot of people that have struggled with finding something that works for them on a, a journey of healing and growth can be that they try something that keeps them focused on one aspect of themselves. And as human Mm -hmm. beings, 
we are multifaceted, we are multidimensional. So ignoring the rest of it does not help, you know, and, mm. and that kind yeah. of mentality for me also speaks to a lot of my activism work too. You know, you, you don't just, when you're looking at problems within our society, you don't just focus on the one little thing you look at, okay, so what is this a symptom of, mm -hmm. right? What it, What is the overall arcing problem here? Well, we need to look at all aspects of things just like we do with humans. I'm really glad you brought that up because that was another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is the activist and advocate component of you know, your life's work. I know that you have some, uh, actually, I almost said some training that would be understating it by quite a bit, like a thousand hours in diversity and inclusion training. But yeah, that that's one thing I'd love for you to shed a little bit of light on, which is, you know, what does it mean to be an activist while, while having, you know, this deeply spiritual and, you know, this practice that's grounded in you know, working with ourselves, um, psychology, etc. This kind of spiritual space, I don't think is always the most inclusive or necessarily as, as much as it's supposed to be a safe space for everyone. It's certainly not. And you seem to have a really deep understanding of that. Yeah. So to get really real with that, there is a lot about spirituality that I love and there's a lot that I don't and mm -hmm. and it's funny like if, if you know me personally if you're a client of mine or friend or coworker or whatever a lot of people would say like I am a hella witchy spiritual person <laughs> and I am the first person to call shit out when I see it in this world okay. um and to and to to get active on it and to me I think that we have this really skewed idea of spirituality in Western culture that separates humanitarian issues, political issues, activist and advocacy work from itself. And the truth is, if we are in this world as spiritual human beings, right, as as divine beings connected to everything else. My, I'm Jewish by um, heritage and ancestry, as well as German and Scottish and a few other small things in there, but mostly the Jewish and the German and Scottish. So here we are. Um, but my family moved here from Germany um, when my dad was little after World War II. So you can imagine the experiences there. Yeah. Um, and my family they actually connected to Eastern religions quite a bit because one, there was still a sense of not feeling safe to practice or, and also feeling very disconnected from Judeo Christian culture because they just came out of the worst tragedy that had ever been experienced. Yeah. Um, so when you look at that, and, and my background with that, you know, when you look at a lot of Eastern cultures, like we, we um, practiced Hinduism. So I've, I've practiced that quite for, since I was like, I could remember, right. Like since my dad was taking me to retreats and, and ashrams with him. And a lot of it is about really seeing us as divine beings connected to one another. 
right? We are not separate. It, it is all interconnected. We are all interconnected to everything, to the earth, to each other, to every living being and everything on this earth and in this universe. So if that is your belief system, and, and that is part of your spiritual practice, it is extremely hard to not be active, to not care about what's going on in the world. So for me, like, yes, within my coaching work, I'm always trying to help people decolonize and, and doing that in the, the realm that is appropriate for me, you know, as a, as a white Jewish person, right? right. Um, but I'm also looking at that as when we come back to ourselves and we connect to our own humanity and our divine humanity, it's very hard to mistreat other people. So if mm -hmm. I can create space for us to push aside all of what we've been taught, the biases that we've been taught, the harmful beliefs and patterns that keep getting perpetuated, then I'm helping send somebody out into the world to start doing their own work with that. And then outside of that, like, yeah, I'm the person that will go to a protest, go speak. I will do speaking events around, you know, the ways that we have issues around systemic racism within um, our sex and reproductive care within this country, mm -hmm. because that's definitely something that right now we are seeing big time a massive impact from. So it's, it's about the personal end and it's, it's about the bigger end. But again, like to me, it all just comes back to the way that I was raised by my dad and my grandmother in that. If you believe that we are all connected, then it's not separate at all. Your spirituality and your activism and advocacy are together. That's the heart of humanitarianism is you you are trying to create a better world within yourself and outside of yourself. So often I feel that, especially in the kind of mindfulness or spirituality community, which, you know, there we there's a lot we could say about that just in general. But yeah. I think a lot of times there's this feeling that, oh, well, if I'm working on myself or if I'm meditating enough or sending good energy, you know, that's that's me doing my part. But it's like, no, that's, that's not like actually taking action and doing the work in the world is the other essential component of that. The, the yin yang, of course, of uh, right. inner work and personal, you know, growth, cultivating your inner world, but actually also stepping out into this very real, very harsh, many times world that yeah. we live in. Yeah. And, and keeping in mind too, I think what a lot of people fear and, and I've had clients bring this up when they start working with me, they're like, I've not done a lot of work around this. Is, is that going to be okay? I'm like, it's a journey and it's never going to be finished. I am not a perfect advocate or ally by any means. I still unpack my own things. And with that, you also have to remember that, yes, doing your own internal work is absolutely important. And how you do the external work doesn't have to look one way. Absolutely meditate, send love into the world, but also, you know, figure out how, how are you ready to speak out? 
not everybody is ready to go to a protest. I mean, that's that's been a family thing for us, you know, for generations now. Um, my grandparents were wild, man. <laughs> they were literally openly challenging the Nazi regime. <laughs> like, like that's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cool people. Um, so. You know, not everybody's down for that. I, I've been to many a protest. My my child has. Um, that's that works for us, right? And and speaking openly does. But sometimes maybe your activism is calling a senator or voting or or doing community work to maybe you donate goods or time or services to help people or the, you know, the environment around you. Maybe your work is when you hear somebody say something that you know is hurtful or harmful, it, you know, you don't scream at them, but you stop them and, and challenge the belief and you have a conversation. A lot of times, like we, we think of things to needing to be extreme for them to be valid. And sometimes the best thing that you can do is after you've done a lot of your own work, you know, the people around you, and maybe some of that is your family, where you say, I want to talk about this. And I'm willing to hear your point of view. And I ask that you hear mine. And you can start to open people's hearts and minds with that. It's hella effective. So it, you get to choose how you do it. But find a way that it's not just you meditating and sending love out into the world well yes that is beautiful but challenge yourself to see how how are you bringing that into the external yeah well your talk about these problems we're facing in not just our country but also in the world at large yeah. in terms of humanitarian issues reproductive rights right. ongoing wars and conflicts um, hate crimes all of these things it's an incredibly challenging time right now just to just to stay sane throughout the day. And I think a lot of people survive in a way by you know, turning their hearts off or just turning away from what's happening. And I see all these things that are happening and I connect them back to what you were saying, you know, learning that since we are all a part of this connected universe, all a part of this world. Quick side note, I heard somebody say recently that we shouldn't be looking at this earth as a resource. Everyone talks about, well, we have limited yeah. resources on this earth. We should be looking at this earth as a, the source, not not a resource to use. And yeah. it all stems back to this losing touch with the sacred. And it's the same thing with sex. It's in relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the same thing with how we're treating each other and how we're treating this planet and our oceans and wildlife. But it's not seeing the true sacred nature of both ourselves and literally everything around us. Yeah. And it can be heartbreaking to see and also demoralizing to see it. It can. And the, and the thing to remember in that moment is because again, our society, as much as it's going on, the one thing that it also keeps perpetuating is just keep moving on. Right. You know, we already talked about this. We try to move things through things quickly. That's a way of keeping us numb to what's going on. And it doesn't yes. mean that you need to inundate yourself in everything because you will explode. You like you need moments to 
Yes. Breathe. We all do. People that have faced generational trauma, you know, so many of our melanated people within this world and our LGBTQ plus people, like my child is non-binary. Their experiences in this world, even at this point, not all of them have been great. There, you need a moment to breathe. You need a safe space to breathe. And this is also about learning. It's okay that you feel angry and sad. Give yourself a safe space to explore. Maybe that is for you punching a pillow, put, putting a playlist on of music that lets you scream and shout and get it out of your system. And then you choose, all right, how am I going to be better than what I see? Because as much as we see that it is horrible and, and especially, you know, as we're recording this, like we had another school shooting yesterday. Yeah. Children died that you cannot look at that and say, that's okay. No, it's not okay. And it's okay to not feel okay with that. In fact, that shows you, you are a human being. <laughs> if you are not okay with that, any spiritual human being would say, that is an act against humanity. And if we are all one, that is not okay. And with that, understanding that there is also so much beauty and abundance in this world. Again, this world is not just a resource for us to take. It is a place that we are honored to be yes. living on. Like if we really think about it as we are honored to be here, you know, again, like I've practiced Hinduism, Jewish by ancestry. I'm also practicing pagan. And one of the biggest principles of that is if you take, you give back. So if, if I take herbs to create a tea or, you know, some, something for myself or somebody else, I'm going to give back resources. Maybe that's when the herbs have been utilized, I give them back. Maybe that's, you know, something as simple as when I have, you know, sliced up veggies and things like that, I go compost them, right? And it sounds like so silly and simple, but it's not. It's a way to not honor the fact that this is not just a resource for us to keep yes. taking and taking and taking from. That's a very capitalistic idea of the world. Yeah. This is a space that we have been honored to live on. It is abundant, just like it is full of abundance of people, of, of experiences. And if we can give back to that and honor that, that's a beautiful thing. So you get to take a moment to be angry and to and to feel it. And, and sometimes, yes, you do need to take a pause to not numb out, but but shut off because if you're not resourced, you, you're not going to do good. You can't make good decisions from there. Um, you know, will, will I go to a protest about this school shooting? Probably, but today is not that day because today I'm thinking about the fact that I'm a mother and there are other parents out there that don't have their children. And I am just not in the headspace to be a good activist and advocate right now, but tomorrow I can do that. Right. Tomorrow, today I can cry and I can be sad and angry and I can be angry at the complacency. And tomorrow I can say, how do I help? How do I love? How do I give? 
That's beautiful because it also speaks to the importance of, oh, just like we were talking about, making sure that you actually have time to feel what's going on before just rushing into reaction mode. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And again, like those pauses, they will teach you so much about yourself and they will guide you so much better than if you just try to push through you know and that and again that that goes back to our own healing as well taking the pauses to really integrate and understand what you are experiencing can bring insights that you have never imagined and you wouldn't if you just tried to quickly move through it but when you take the pause to understand what's at the heart of things it it can open your eyes to a way of being and acting and helping that you may not have thought about otherwise. Um, And doing the relationship work that I do, the one thing that I always teach my clients is before you yell back at your partner, when they do or say something hurtful, and this is with any relationship, right? It's not just a romantic, but it's just with anything. Take a step back and look at what is going on here? What's really going on, right? Because maybe what's really going on has nothing to do with what's what they're angry about or what they're upset about. Same thing for you. Like you're if you're lashing out and you're angry, is it that you're angry about the situation or is there something else deeper there where you're not feeling heard, you're not feeling seen, mm-hmm. you're frustrated and you're overwhelmed? And if you take the moment to feel those feelings and understand them, you'll act from a much better place. Just that that split second between activation and reaction, just to be yep. able to cultivate that space. So important. Yeah. There's so much that I want to keep talking with you about. In particular, <laughs> one of the things that I, I just highlighted as I was preparing for this today was the quote that you shared with me from Maya Angelou that there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. Yeah. I had never heard that quote, but instant resonation as soon as I read it. It is not one of her most popular quotes, but to me it is the most profound because that untold agony affects so much that we don't understand. And when we understand our stories more, when we understand um, what is happening, what we are feeling, where we come from, we have power with that. And and I think that's something Dr. Angelou knew better than than most of us ever will. But you know, not not all of us can be at that level of genius and that's okay but we can take that those words and really use them and resonate with them and see how they feel to us and what that means to us and how it impacts us yeah there's so much power that comes from having your experiences be something that aren't yours alone to shoulder yeah but actually just hitting hitting the release valve and allowing that pent-up steam to escape from you Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, when you let it out, you've got some place to go then, you know, it's th- those, those feelings and those old stories that hold us back, they prevent us from being our most authentic self, our most divine self. And 
all of the dreams and goals that we have from that. I mean, again, that to me, that that is why our society is so focused on constantly producing, constantly moving, constantly going because prevents us from pausing to discover who we are really are. And if we can discover who we really are, we can do some amazing things. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Well said. You know, Valerie, as we're getting close to wrapping things up, I was wondering if we could do one thing just to kind of conclude our call today. And that would, would be awesome. Okay. If you're open to it, I would love to have you just lead a meditation wherever you want to take it, whether tapping into the parasympathetic system like we talked about, or just cultivating some space to breathe through what's happening in the world. Wherever you feel yeah. called to take it, I'm I'm there with you and I'd love to I'd love to be present for that. Perfect. Okay. So I feel really called right now to have us just pause and really be with ourselves because again, so much is going on. And I think this is a perfect time to, yes, we want to resource, but also make it okay to be with it. So if you are listening to this, you can follow along. Perfect. Okay. So taking a moment to maybe close your eyes, get comfy. If you have the ability to lie down, go for it. And we are going to activate that parasympathetic system by taking a nice slow breath in through the nose. Pausing at the top and then letting the exhale move slower through our mouths, maybe adding a sigh as we let it out. And as that exhale finishes, we're going to take another deep breath in through the nose, pausing at the top. letting that nice, slow exhale move through the mouth. And as you're here, breathing, settling in, just let whatever thoughts come to your mind be there. It can come and go. You don't have to force them. You don't have to do anything with them. This is about being with what's there, what's true right now. And just keep settling into that. Keep breathing. And while the thoughts are coming and going, Let's take a moment and scan our bodies and just notice what we feel. Again, we don't need to do anything with it at this moment. We are simply observing our feelings and allowing them to exist. And that may feel uncomfortable. That's okay. If you need to pause, if you need to cry, if you need to shake, if you need to move, scream, whatever comes through. That is all okay. 
the focus is really just being. So starting at the very top of your head, sensing into your body and noticing what's there. Do you feel any sensations, any emotions? Moving through the jaw, maybe letting it wiggle, move, letting any sounds move through. Moving down through the neck and the shoulders. And continue scanning down the body. And if it feels good to name out loud what you're feeling, what you're sensing, whether it be emotion or sensation-based, name it out loud or just take note of it within your mind. But just keep moving through the body. Keep allowing yourself to explore and experience what's here. And know that whatever it is that you are experiencing, it is okay to feel. And if you need to tell yourself internally or out loud, it is okay for me to feel this. Do that. Give yourself that permission. Whatever comes through, it's okay to experience. It's safe to experience and you get to experience it. So continuing to move down the body until you hit the feet. And if you sense there's something in a particular area that you need to go back and explore, do that. See if it feels safe to explore it. to understand what the feeling is. Maybe there's tension. Maybe there's some butterflies or tingling or anxious feelings. Maybe there's an aching. Whatever's there, let yourself explore it. And again, if there's a particular area that you feel like you need to come back to, go back to that area, let it move. And it is okay to let it move through you. Just taking a few more deep breaths here, letting anything that's coming up for you come through. And now if it feels possible, even if there's so much sadness, so much hurt and anger, whatever else is there, I want you to tap into the part of yourself that feels deep, unconditional love. And maybe even taking a moment to rub your palms together 
And imagine sourcing that love into your palms, letting it connect from whatever area of your body that unconditional love exists, sourcing it into the palms of your hands, rubbing it together, building it up. And placing those palms over your body, maybe running them back down from head to toe, maybe focusing it in on one area that you felt more tension, more sensation from. You're just going to send this love into the body, however you feel inclined to do that. Allowing that to fill you, to remind you that there is always still love here. It's within you. And even with these feelings, there is love and compassion for those feelings. And now taking a moment to place those hands right on your heart center if they're not already there. So wherever they are, moving them up to the center of your heart. Taking a nice final breath in. Letting it release. Feeling all of that love absorbing into you all of the compassion for your feelings and your experiences right now. Be met with love. And knowing that anytime you need to, it's safe to take this pause to explore and experience whatever it is you're feeling, whatever you need to feel. And you can do that with love and compassion. And letting that settle in, letting your body relax and rest. And if it doesn't feel complete right now, that's perfectly okay. You can do this longer. You can rewind this and do it over again. It is okay get out what you need to get out but if that feels complete for now you're going to gently let yourself come back into awareness into your body to the space around you maybe give yourself a nice hug maybe get up and move shake dance whatever feels good to you and that is complete how are you feeling alex just taking a moment to really bring myself back. That was a beautiful meditation. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to really give ourselves permission and send love to what we're feeling because we don't often do that. You know, so it brought up a lot of things for me. Actually, just this morning I was meditating unbeknownst to you in a very similar way, actually. <laughs> it's like um, trying to make my exhale longer than my inhale. And I think that yeah. is something that helps us tap into that parasympathetic state, right? The rest yeah, and digest. It does. And yeah, this, this morning as I was sitting in meditation, I was 
holding on to the intention of just be like mm-hmm. in, in a way, even having to let go of trying to just be, but really just giving my, yeah. myself space to just be. And it brought up all these sensations in my body and in the meditation you just led, the part that I actually found kind of challenging was to tap into the place where there is unconditional love because yeah, because of everything that we talked about earlier, that's, you know, happening in our world yesterday and constantly it can be really, it can, it can feel almost like unfair to ask yourself, like, really like unconditional love, like even for that, like even for like everything else that's happening. And of of course that's part of the challenge is like learning to integrate it while also standing up and speaking out for what you know is right. But yeah, I found, I found initially a little bit of resistance in myself to, to tap into that state. Yeah. And that can be really challenging for a couple of reasons. Like one, like, you know, when you are seeing so much going on in this world right now, asking yourself like love really where where is the love but when you can access that love you can also say i am giving love to those that are hurting right now Mm, i am giving love to them and i am using that love to source the actions to help to be a better member of our society um and also we're we're often not taught to have love and compassion for all of our emotional range, right? It's only acceptable if it's quote unquote a good feeling. But if there's discomfort and dis-ease there and you can source love in that moment, that is a powerful tool. If if, if there's anything that points to our divine nature as human beings, it is the ability to choose love, to choose something higher when faced with all of these negative energies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you can do that, that's how you act from a new place, from an empowered place, because you can look at all this wrong and say, this is horrible. And I could numb myself to it like I, I always do, or I can feel it and decide that I don't want to be a part of, of letting that continue. I want to mm-hmm. do something to help, but you got to source it from within first, because again, if you can't do that for yourself, it's real hard to, to be of good service and help to others. Well said. Yeah, truly. Valerie, you're someone who is so uh, what what radiates through when I talk to you is your heart for empowering others in this world. Whether that empowerment comes through this type of healing work you do or showing up at a protest to give voice to those who don't have a voice. And I can't think of a better way to just wrap up our conversation today than for us to send out the intention for anyone who's listening. You know, I hope that Valerie's guidance and wisdom on this conversation has brought you a sense of empowerment today. And I thank you for listening. And Valerie, I thank you so, so much for being here and and sharing your heart and your story with us today. Uh, Thank you, Alex. And I just want to take a moment too and thank you for the opportunity to be here, but also 
the desire to be one of those helpers in this world. Absolutely. Hell yeah. (laughs) Thanks again, Valerie. And we'll go ahead and wrap this up, but this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it completely. And you. (laughs) You too, Valerie. Okay.